0: Welcome back to the end of our first week of looking at the book of Isaiah, day five. And as we start our look today, I wanna to ask you a question. What part of the book of Isaiah would you say, if you're like a Bible scholar, is the best known in our day? People that have uh, looked into this, some might say Isaiah 53, which is the prophecy of Jesus. Some might say, well, maybe it's Isaiah chapter 40, rise up on wings like eagles. In Jesus's day, The most familiar portion of the book of Isaiah was probably neither of those. It was probably these verses we're going to look at today. Isaiah chapter 5, the song of the vineyard. And so although it's a little long, I'd like to read the first seven verses all together because they give us this song that was so famous in Jesus' day, so significant in his day, and is so significant for our lives still today. Isaiah 5, 1 to 7. I will sing for the one that I love a song about his vineyard. My loved one had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He dug it up and he cleared it of stones and he planted it with the choicest vines. He built a watchtower in it and he cut a winepress as well. Then he looked for a crop of good grapes, but it yielded only bad fruit. Now, you dwellers in Jerusalem and you people of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad? Now I will tell you what I'm going to do to my vineyard. I will take away its hedge, and it will be destroyed. I will break down its wall, and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland, neither pruned nor cultivated, and briars and thorns will grow there. I will command the clouds not to rain on it. The vineyard of the Lord Almighty is the nation of Israel, and the people of Judah are the vines he delighted in. And he looked for justice, but he saw bloodshed, for righteousness, and he heard cries of distress." As we've talked about this week, the first half of Isaiah is about God's vision for change in your life. If you're going to understand God's vision for change in your life, you have to understand what God thinks about you. You have to understand his heart of love towards you. That's what this song is about, this song of the vineyard. It's a, it's a love song. It's a song about his love for Israel. And as you look at this song, it's a song about God's plans for this vineyard. God's plans for a pleasing vineyard, a vineyard that pleases the master. God's plans for a producing vineyard that produces much fruit. These are reflected in our lives too. God plans for us to be a vineyard. We'll look at some verses at the end of today that Jesus talked about this. God has plans for your life. He wants you to live a life that's pleasing to the master, that is producing God's fruit in your life. So let's walk through this song together. See the pictures about what God's plans are for your life. As he begins this song, he sings about a fertile hillside. And that's a picture of potential. God pictures potential, fertile. There's potential here. God created us with the most wonderful potential. I know, you look at a teenager eating Doritos on a couch, watching reruns of Gilligan's Island, you don't think so. But really, God created us with this incredible potential for our lives. And you see it everywhere. Where do you see this potential? You see it when a mom hugs her new baby. It's the potential of our ability to love to give, to sacrifice of ourselves. You see it when a doctor performs surgery or a craftsman makes fine wood furniture or a tech genius develops some breakthrough chip. You see it in the potential that God has given us to work, to make things, to create things. You see it in great orchestras or great books or great art, the potential of our creativity. You started to see it in the Garden of Eden from the very beginning, the potential of being created to rule the world responsible before God to rule this world, responsible for this world. So God has created us with this potential. He created us with incredible potential. And then the second picture is he dug and he cleaned and he planted. And that's the picture of opportunity. To this potential is added opportunity. Care and skill are required over a very long period of time to build up a successful vineyard. And that's what happened with this vineyard. It was cared for. It was with skill prepared to produce fruit. And God brings this picture to mind of the care and skill for preparing a vineyard as he talks about the way that he tends our lives. The potential is given opportunity by the way that God tends our lives, the things that he gives into our lives. So at the beginning, God placed Adam and Eve in a garden of perfection, potential and opportunity met. I know they denied their potential. I know they wasted their opportunity, but that doesn't change the fact that God placed that opportunity into their lives and he's been placing opportunity into our lives ever since. The way he made you, the energy that he gave you, the abilities, the thoughts that he gives us. God digs and he cleans and he plants, but that's not all. For you and I, as we look back on the cross and the resurrection, that's a place where Spiritually, God dug and he cleaned and he planted. Jesus coming to this earth, dying on a cross, is the way that God offers the renewed opportunity for faith, for following him, for seeing the full use of our gifts in our lives. He's built this into our lives. Third picture you see in this song is, he built a watchtower and he built a wine press. And now we're starting to get down to it, because this is the picture of expectation. Why would you build a watchtower? The watchtower is there to protect the fruit. You don't need a watchtower if there's no fruit. People don't come and steal vines, they come and steal the fruit off of the vines. Why would you build a wine press to use the fruit to make the wine? So the watchtower, the wine press said that the grower expected the garden to produce fruit. How about us? Does God expect anything of us? Or did He just create us and love us and it's all okay? Certainly, He expects us to follow His plan. He expects us to use the potential that he's given us to take advantage of the opportunities that he presents us. And these verses reveal for Israel, but it's also true for us. It disappoints God. It disappoints God when we don't fulfill the purpose for which we were created. And I'm not talking about some schoolmaster disappointment who doesn't love you or know you. I'm talking about the disappointment of a parent who's hurting for their child, who could see what they could be, could become, and sees that they're wasting their life deeply and personally, it disappoints God. The the point of the song is that we can disappoint God. And so God has questions for you. When it comes to change in our lives, he's got honest questions. He says, judge between me and my vineyard. Two questions, straightforward, challenging questions. One, what more could I have done? What more could I have done? This question deals with the blame that often keeps us from change. The grower did everything that was necessary for producing a good crop, but there's bad fruit. What more could have been done? Could the grower be faulted? Can I blame God for what I'm going through? The fault was in the vines. What this is saying, in all honesty, is God gives us a vineyard that will bear great fruit. We treat the vineyard in a way that it bears no fruit, and then we blame God for the lack of fruit. God says, what more could I have done? What more could God do for us? He created us in perfection in the beginning. He placed us in a garden of Eden, and we rejected his love. He didn't have to do any more than that, but he did. He did. He flooded the earth because of the evil that we couldn't even imagine that was on the earth at that time. He could have drowned us all, and yet he saved Noah and his family. But mankind sank back into sin. He could have just let us go, but he didn't. He chose a nation to represent him, the nation of Israel, but they rejected him. They Let their hearts turn cold toward him. That's what he's talking about in these verses. Like a wife cheating on her husband. Like a vineyard that does not produce fruit. And God could have said, that's it. I gave him every chance. But he didn't stop there. He sent his only son to show us his love. To die on a cruel cross so that we can live in the light of that love. What what more could God do for us? And yet in spite of all that God has done, there are hundreds of thousands, there are millions, who hold God at arm's length, waiting for him to do something more, to prove himself, to prove his love, to prove that he cares. Make my world perfect. Do a miracle. Show yourself in some spectacular way. It doesn't get any more perfect or miraculous or spectacular than Jesus Christ. What more could he do? God says, what more could I do? Stop the blame and turn to me. His second question is, When I look for good, why bad? This question deals with the doubt that often keeps us from change. When he created us for good, why bad? This is a question that a lot of us feel that we need to ask ourselves right alongside of God. A lot of people are asking this question. When God created this world for good, why is there bad in this world? And we don't have enough time to deal with it here, but I want to touch on it at least. And I want to touch on it in a specific way. This is a question that we love to apply to everyone else and everything else but us. Why bad there? Why bad there? Why bad there? Instead of saying, why bad in my life? When the truth is, the only way to find an answer to this question is by saying that we're a part of the question. Why does God allow death? Why is there the threat of war? Why do people attack and mistreat others? You bring yourself honestly into that question when you're willing to ask, why did I do exactly the opposite of what God wanted me to do? Why did I explode in anger? Why did I steal from a friend? Why did I refuse to forgive? The fact that we all do the opposite of God's intention for us, that's what creates the evil in this world. And you say, well, I'm not as evil as they were. Well, you didn't have the circumstances that they did. If you have had their circumstances, you'd probably do the same evil they did. We can't say that just because we had better circumstances, we're better people. That's just a luck of the draw. When you step inside this question, you realize it's only the awesome patience and love of God that allows evil in this world. He endures sin and suffering that he could wipe out in a moment in order to give us the opportunity to present our lives to his leadership, his lordship. That's why he waits. That's why he continues to allow this world to go on. And in this song... We're told that they're going to face the consequences of their evil actions. God says, I'm going to take away the hedge. I'm going to break down the wall. That's life without protection. God says, I'm going to make it a wasteland. That's life without usefulness. He says, I'm going to command the clouds not to rain. That's life without any opportunity for growth. The good news is Jesus came to change all of this. As we talk about this vineyard, we have to end with John 15. Because Jesus gives us the next stanza to this song of the vineyard. Just a few verses, John 15, 5, and then verses 7 and 8. Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So don't try to be part of God's vineyard without attaching yourself to the vine. And the vine is Jesus Christ. I'm a branch, you're a branch. The vine, the place that all the nutrients, all the power, all the strength comes from, that's from Jesus Christ. The song in the vineyard actually ends in the New Testament with what Jesus Christ wants to do for us. So let's trust him with it right now. Jesus, we trust you. Forgive us those, for those times when we try to be the vine, when we rely on ourselves. We trust you. You're the vine, we're the branches. So we wanna remain in you, we wanna connect to you, draw our strength from you, draw our hope from you. And out of that, we know that you're gonna bear the fruit that you wanna bear in our lives. We trust you with that too. We don't have to try to bear fruit, we trust you. And then the fruit just comes naturally. So today, with the struggles that we're facing today, with the hurts that we have today, with the opportunities that are in front of us. Today, help us to see the potential you've given us, the opportunities you put into our lives, meet at this place of trusting you, Jesus Christ. That's what we want. That's what we ask for. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, join us next week. We're gonna head next week towards the most important moment of change in Isaiah's life, this powerful, this personal encounter that he has with the Lord in the temple. We'll talk about it next week.